0: Hey IP friends, welcome to IP series with Rita. Yeah, welcome to IP series with Rita. My name is Rita. I'm reaching that. If this is your first time listening to me talk about intellectual property rights such as copyright, trademark, patent, industrial design, trade secret, plant variety, and geographical indication, you are welcome to my episode. Please check out my previous episode where I talked about the Meta voxer patent infringement case. Um, really insightful i am sure about that (laughs) but for my returning listeners you guys are the best you guys are the best thank you thank you thank you so much for always coming back to listen to me now straight to the good news we are in our third edition of the ip series christmas series that doesn't sound right but yeah this is a christmas edition christmas ip series edition where i sometimes have guests over come talk about trendy cases but they do just anything that my fingers can lay its hands on so it's usually like a 12 series edition i'm hoping i'm able to keep to it this year but we are starting off with um hmm, let's see so this is a a, a little bit of you know something similar to the previous edition but this is from an expert. um View so, I have a patent examiner who will be telling us everything about um, patent applications, what you need to know, especially within Africa. And so, one thing I need to let you guys know about our guests for today is that we connected on LinkedIn. Please, guys, take all your social media platforms seriously, you don't know who you might meet. And how you guys can, you know, help each other. Just learn how to network digitally. And that's how I came across Sammy. I think he posted something and he caught my attention. And I saw his bio and I was like, oh my God. I need to get him on my podcast. And as God will have it, he was very um, accommodating. And he agreed to come, you know, talk on my podcast about what he does so we set up a date and you know we got to record so i'm just gonna let him introduce himself uh sammy's from kenya he's going to introduce himself and tell you guys all about what he does and then we'll just you know get straight into today's episode so stay tuned (laughs) hi sammy Sami Zero, can you tell us your name, where you work, where you're based, and anything you'd like to share with us today?
1: Okay, thank you very much, Rita. My name is Sami Zero Lewa, and uh, I'm a Kenyan examiner, uh, basically, pharmaceutical patent examination. And uh, my work is uh, to examine uh, patent applications up to grant. I also uh, do examination of uh, utility model as well as uh, industrial design applications. So specifically for the patents, I generally do examination to substance basically uh, uh, examining its novelty. And uh, in Kenya, we use absolute novelty, which means I have to uh, examine and check whether the invention is uh, new worldwide and also inventive worldwide.
0: Wow, that's interesting. So would you kindly take us through like your daily activities? So for instance, you have an application, be it a utility model or design or a patent application. What would you as a patent examiner be looking out for basically um, from the applications before you?
1: Uh, generally, we have different kind of applications that are uh, the hit on my table. So, like uh, it's a patent application. Uh, we have uh, those local applications, uh, which by local, I mean, these are applications that they have been filed by Kenyans. Okay. And then we have the foreign applications. And these are applications originating from other countries through various routes. We have the PCT routes which they come from the WIPO, which is uh, uh, administered by WIPO. Then we have the regional route, which they come from uh, ARIPO. Uh, yeah. So uh, depending on what the, 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 the route is, these applications are, are different in terms of uh, how they have been structured. But generally, I will be looking to formalities to check the paperwork that they have, uh, they have complied. So for example, if it's a PCT application, uh, definitely, the applicant has to be represented by an attorney or an, an, an agent who is uh, authorized to practice before the institute. The others are just you normally know, the fees have been paid uh, and uh, uh the formality issues. So, once the formality or administrative paperwork has been, once, once, uh uh uh, 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 now I will have to check whether the claims are, 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 are written properly, that they are being supported by what by has been explained in the description. I will also want to look whether the client or the applicant has, uh, has, uh, has written the, the, the description in a manner that is enabled. That means somebody can be able to read and replicate the same. So the, the description basically is telling us uh, how to carry out the, the invention but then the claims is where by now it is defense, whereby the applicants uh, seek the protection. So the claims determine the scope of the, the protection. So once that one has been done, I go ahead and search uh, the uh, prior art that have are unlikely to have uh, disclosed the invention before the filing date. So once I do that, I search the WIPO database, the USPTO database, the epo database and uh once i come up with the the the, the, the relevant uh, prior art for for the ritual applications they they normally uh a repo has a, a system which is called polite so when the applications are filed from the in a in a in a repo they they appear on the web i mean, on that we are using we use a system called ipass Applications are able to reflect on the other side. So basically, what we do, uh, Aripo had already done what we call an exam, uh, examination, and uh, they attach a report. So for the Aripo ones, we really don't do much. We just check on the report that uh, the examiner has attached from Aripo, and we check its compliance to our act. So one of the things that we check for the, for the regional applications is, is the subject matter that uh, the application is, uh, uh, is about, is it a subject matter that is being allowed in Kenya? For example, uh, is it a method of doing business? If yes, then we we'll reject the application. Is it uh, a method of treatment? If yes, then we we'll reject the application. So as long as the application complies with the Section 21, we don't have a problem, we check on the claims report and the argument that have been raised by the examiner. If we are in agreement with the examiner's report, we we accept the application and grant it, which means it will become uh, effective also in Kenya. If we don't agree with the application uh, and the reasoning that has been uh, stated by the examiner from ARIPO, then we object it and then we give our, our reasoning. So majority of those applications that originate from aripo we really don't have much of a of an examination because it's it's like going to be a repetition so we, we don't we, we don't uh, do fresh examination we just check the the, the examiner's report if it is uh, compliant with our act and whether they we, we agree or disagree with the examiner's re- report uh, basically that's what we do with the ARIPO applications <laughs>
0: Wow, thank you so much for giving us a rundown of your day-to-day activity and also sharing insight as to how regional applications are done. Now, my next question is going to be, what is the timeline for registering a patent, either as a local or a foreigner in Kenya? What, um, how long does it really take to actually do a patent, get a patent um, in Kenya?
1: Uh a uh, notification from ARIPO, the regional uh, uh, applications, we, the examiners from ARIPO will do the examination and then uh, through the DG's office, they communicate to member states or not, uh, not really member states, but uh, designated states. Each application, uh, the client designates uh, some countries. So for example, if the client has applied for a pharmaceutical uh, composition, then, then in the in, in the application form, they will state or designate the countries. So, assuming they have designated Kenya, uh, Tanzania, and let's say Botswana, just for example, we as examiners or the country have up to six months, that is uh, one eighty days, to respond to that notification upon which if a country or a designated state does not respond within those six months, ARIPO automatically grants that application and it becomes effective in that uh, designated country. So I understand there are those countries who do not do examination, but for us, we, are, we respond before the expiry of 180 days and give us our objections. So if we give them objections, they have time to respond. If they respond, then we have uh, uh, another three months for us to respond to the arguments after uh, the first uh, objection. But in case we don't have an objection, we just go ahead and uh, and respond within the 180 days.
0: So once an applicant meets the basic requirement and gets his patent, how can, for instance, a patent owner In the pharmaceutical industry, um, defend their patent against unauthorized use?
1: In Kenya, if an infringement, for example, uh, occurs in the pharmaceutical uh, patent application or a a granted patent, the same way you can defend any other patent application uh, will apply. So, one, we have a tribunal a tribunal, then we have uh, the commercial courts. So depending on the nature, first of all, we don't have a pre-grant opposition period. So if an application is published uh, to notify the public that we are about to grant uh, monopoly rights to this particular uh, applicant or a pharmaceutical company, then the company will have to wait until that application is granted and then they go ahead and oppose it uh, they can file uh, through the opposition through the tribunal that is after it has been granted or they can decide to go to the commercial courts the courts will uh, constitute the bench of the relevant people who will hear the case so that's basically how uh, a pharmaceutical company can defend their their party in case of an infringement if uh it is as uh, other IP rights have having to do with that pharmaceutical composition. Such kind like for example, uh, it is a patented product, but it's also a trademarked uh, pharmaceutical company. They can also uh, seek address from the anti-counterfeit authority which is mandated to, uh, to defend uh, uh, applicants in case of their infringement or uh, counterfeited products.
0: Now, with all of these um, procedures stated to defend one's patent, how does the registry deal with generic patent applications?
1: Uh, I don't think the issues to do with generics will uh, affect us much as to the office. However, we do have uh, other bodies in Kenya, like the ones who are dealing with the Uh, standards, for example, uh, the caps, and then we have the pharmaceutical society and and the like. Um, I might not be the competent person in terms of generic patents, but what what happens is uh, in Kenya, we don't grant patents for secondary use. So, for example, a pharmaceutical patent uh, has already been registered in Kenya for the treatment of cancer. But then the same compound. Now you have uh, uh, you have discovered that it's also cure as diabetes. No, we won't we won't give you any patent for that. Uh, so yeah, that's it. The entrance of uh, probably generic patents after or uh, compounds after the expiry of twenty twenty. I think that one is more of. a the society the pharmaceutical society and other bodies uh, not necessarily
0: us so sami what would you say is the format for um registering a utility model or a design right in kenya
1: the format of a utility model utility model will take the same format for a patent application the way you will write uh, i mean you will draft a patent application is similar to the way you will do it for a utility model a utility model is what the uspto is describing it as a petty patent so generally speaking a utility model should be new but not necessarily inventive uh, but the way the other the, the other criteria as it, it's supposed to be uh, supported by the description i mean the claims Everything is the same as a patent application, only that it's less inventive as compared to patent. And in Kenya, we don't comment on novelty and inventive step for utility models. So it is upon the client to uh, understand that whatever they are filing should be new. But uh, in case we we just discover that it is not new, we will still not comment about it but we will give you a disclaimer that uh any person out there can actually uh, uh i mean uh, do, do do what uh, oppose your invention should they learn that it is not it is not new so we leave the burden to the to the to the client for industrial design industrial design for us is only for aesthetic articles so an industrial design the best example i can give is a. Uh, Different water bottles have different shapes and configuration. Different uh, forms have different shapes and configuration. So for industrial design, basically, we protect the features of an article. The way an article has been uh, configured, has be, uh, is shaped combination of colors. Yes, uh, that one we, we, we do protect for industrial design. And the only requirement is to submit drawings for that industrial design, uh, different uh, perspective views, and we examine them. We the act also s- talks about absolute novelty for industrial design, but I think more emphasis is being given, or uh, in general practice, of what has is existing in the in the database. So if we found that an industrial design is not registered in our database, we go ahead and and uh, and register it.
0: I've been looking forward to um getting an expert's opinion about the Moderna Pfizer case, um because it, you know, was as a result of trying to find solution during the pandemic, the lockdown, trying to get vaccine. There were so many conversations going. We had the COVID nineteen pledge. We had scientists volunteering, um some of their works to be experimented on, and then you know Moderna came to the rescue, and now Moderna is suing Pfizer for patent infringement um, of the vaccine. What is your view on this um, as a patent examiner?
1: Uh, my views on the Moderna and Pfizer case, uh, I think, generally speaking, when technology uh, was used to make the vaccines, there was a need that uh, people were dying and uh, there was the need that uh, we should get uh, treatment as early as possible. So the whole technology is based on the RNA, uh, messenger RNA technology, which uh, to me, I haven't really much understood the legal aspects of it, uh, based on my background is uh, on biochemistry and molecular biology. But uh, I think uh, the case is more about uh, fighting the technology, not rather the vaccines. Uh, so as a, as a examiner, I probably would have like uh, how best then could they have dealt with uh, 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 during the early stages, they would have put too much emphasis on the technology and not the vaccines. So, my My views on on, on those moderna cases would probably be to wait on the outcomes and see how how they they're they going to be because the the technology am technology which is uh the gateway to so many uh vaccines right now
0: uh, but my next question is what is the statistics of registration for patents um applications within the pharmaceutical pharmaceutical companies or any other industry in Kenya indeed local or foreign
1: uh, one thing that you have to understand is pharmaceutical patent application forms the I don't I don't have uh, uh, specifically but the majority of the applications that come from the regional and uh, uh, international route, Majority of them are uh, PCT applications and they are pharmaceutical applications. They either, either be pharmaceutical or biotechnology, uh, they form the greatest numbers. I don't have the numbers per se, but they form the greatest number of applications we receive.
0: Fantastic. So in your opinion, as a patent examiner, I thought you were a lawyer. No I'm... trends. So trends, what patent trends have you noticed within Kenya and internationally and also within the pharmaceutical space?
1: Well, what, what I have seen in, in terms of the trends in pharmaceutical uh, industries is that uh, 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 people are turning away from uh, before, before this messenger LNA technology came into place, more emphasis mm-hmm. was being given to compounds than okay. metals. I think because of the fact that uh, uh, many countries do not accept methods of treatment in terms of patenting. So uh, right now, majority of those applications that we receive, they tend to protect the compound itself and more or less the active ingredient. And uh, these pharmaceutical uh, uh, applications, they majority come from big companies, which I can say the big farmer, and these are people who can be able to play around with words as long as to be able to protect their inventions and this affects the whole range of access to medicine and everything but you see from examiner's point of view uh i have to ensure that whatever i'm granting is not something that is going to deny somebody a compound so that they can be able to get treatment so But basically that is that the pharmaceutical industries or companies will make as much as more efforts to ensure that they protect the compound. But for me as an examiner, I have to make sure that I do as much as I can to make sure that that they just don't protect something which is already just a a manipulative compound, which has already been existing. And as much as it's new, it's uh, it's not inventive. So I have to create a balance between what I do and what the the, 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 the the people want out there. But there's been the general sense of protecting the compounds so that they can be able to reap as much as possible. Majority of the applicants, again, are foreign applicants. Uh, local companies, very, very few.
0: So I when you were talking, you made mention of access to medicine. Now, I know that compulsory licensing um, can be used to give access to medicine for low income countries. What are your thoughts as to these applications that um, should emanate and also give, um, take into consideration developing countries that may not be able to afford it and want to apply for a compulsory licensing to create their own generic version or a lesser version of the existing patent?
1: My, my, my question would be like this one. Okay, during my almost 10 years working at Kipi, I haven't heard of any, any pharmaceutical that has been a uh, for compasal license. But then yeah. the question would be, even if a company applies for compasal license, uh, then the company has to be in a position to manufacture the same. My question is, do we have the companies here yeah that are able to, uh, let me, for example, if Moderna right now decides to give, there has been the debate that uh, 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 African countries or least developed countries should be given the mandate or should be waived uh, those COVID waivers, blah, blah, blah. But the question is, do we have the capacity to manufacture even if we are given the composer license? Mm. Because the government goes ahead to, 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 to issue a compiler license, because probably there's the need, or maybe the pharmaceutical company cannot be able to produce enough on its own. But so far, we have not come to that. But the provision for computer license, yes, it exists in our act. It's probably uh, When time comes, it will be used. But then the question for me as, a, as, a, as an examiner and generally as a Kenyan is, do we have the capacity? I don't think we have the capacity because it remains again, it goes back to those big companies that uh, they are the owners of the patents, uh, pharmaceutical patents, but then if we go ahead to, to issue compounded licenses, well, for the sake of who? Unless it's the government itself.
0: So final question, and then we'll wrap up. Um, would you say it's right for a patent owner to sue for infringement just to get profits, um, especially when the IP was created to create to solve an emergency just... Um, like the in the COVID, um, when we had the pandemic and then lockdown, would it be proper to later on to sue for um, infringements just to get some royalties?
1: I, I I believe any person who who has uh, invested money uh, has a right. Uh, if we discuss the aspect of it, is it? If we moral, answer, upright, or is it okay, then up, probably, uh, if we go that direction, probably, then people will not be able to yeah, we go do research and development, 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 and uh, where will they get the money, and, uh, get the money? Uh, so for me, I think they, they have every me, right, and uh, maybe and it's, uh, it's a, a wake-up call uh, for governments to, uh, to find more really research hard. in those areas. So, that we don't have those issues of uh, independent researchers having uh, to sue uh, you every time you feature their product because they have spent a lot of billions of cash in doing uh, research and development. But clearly, the patent system was established to take care of them.
0: Fantastic. So, any final words from you as a patent examiner to anyone listening? Uh, and final words in how we can reach you if we want to get you back here or contact you later on.
1: What I will tell every person listening and who wants to promote IP rights in Africa, probably we should start by understanding how we draft patent applications. Because I have realized that the majority of those uh, inventors from developing countries, or least developing countries, we have the knowledge, but they don't know how to put it in a correct format for patent examiners out there to be able to grant uh, those patent rights. So at the end of the day, you get that you reject an application not because it's not novel, but maybe because it has been poorly drafted. Hmm. Yeah, so that's an area probably um, a lot of patent attorneys should take care of it. Those on the southern side of uh, uh, Adams and Adam, Adams fine as much because our South Africa system is uh, more into those are, generally speaking in Africa, we need to uh, up our game, to our game platform, especially for the locals. On how to reach me, you can to. always reach me at patternplitian oh, at gmail.com. At gmail. So I am saying you can reach me uh, on Twitter. Basically, it's at zero, leziro, L-E-Z-I-R-O. Uh, on LinkedIn, you can just search Sammy Zero Leo, you'll find me. Uh, on email, you can get me at uh, patentlykenyan at gmail.com.
0: Um, so USA, we can reach you on Twitter. What's your Twitter handle? I'm not sure I'm following you on Twitter. Yes, I'm on
1: Twitter. What's your Twitter handle? Um, at LeZero, At M-E-Z-I-R-O. At m e z i r o. Yes, at LeZero. Yes. Let us
0: do it again. All um, right. Oh, so it's so. been a pleasure talking to you. Thank you. All right, IP friends, we've come to the end of the Christmas IP series first episode for the year 2022. Thank you once again, Sammy, for coming on this episode to discuss about your role as a patent examiner and intellectual property rights in the pharmaceutical industry. Now, if you have more questions for Sammy, just like he said, you can find him on Twitter, on LinkedIn. I found him on LinkedIn, so you guys can reach him out. I'm also sending him an email if you have more questions. Or if you have patent applications you need to do in Kenya, reach out to Sammy as well for guidance, I think. But yeah, if you have more questions about intellectual property, you know where to find me. And yeah, we're done for today. Cheers and see you in the next episode.